Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Kevin Sheehan Show, Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey apps. The youngest in charge, Ruben Linnell Willingham, sitting in for Kevin Sheehan. Here on the Team 980, joined by Denton Day, per usual. Denton, good morning, my friend. How we doing this morning? Everything going well? It's, uh, it's a, um, a fun weekend. So this is going uh, to be a very uh, interesting weekend, three hours, but, uh, the way this is currently going. Because I see your mouth moving, but in my big old brain of mine, I, uh, or my big old ears of mine, I hear nothing coming back from you. But a uh, lot of show to get to. Obviously, fireworks over the weekend on the rumor front. Uh, we heard potential Sam Howell hypothetical trades thrown out into the universe. Uh, we'll get into Peter King's final column of his career uh, a little bit later on in the segment. But I want to start uh, taking a spin around the Beltway Caps uh, in action tonight, fresh off of their uh, two-game Florida road trip. And the fellas uh, playing, playing some good puck as of late as they lost to the Florida Panthers on Saturday, I believe. I scored 3-2. to They lost in overtime. But... Uh, Ovi and the boys continuing uh, to play well here toward the back half of February. It snapped a three-game uh, winning streak for the Capitals. So uh, we'll see if uh, they have better luck tonight at home as they host the Senators. You can hear that action over on our sister station, 106.7 The Fan. Pre-game coverage gets going uh, at 645. Puck drop set for 7 p.m. I was in Cap One Arena last night, Denton, to go see the old Washington Wizards. And we talked about... The Wizards a lot at the back half of last week, fresh out of the All-Star break. The big move coming out of the All-Star break, Jordan Poole moved to the bench. And 
That continued yesterday against the Cleveland Cavaliers, who coming in, as we know, Dan, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Cleveland, the two seed right now, out east. And I'll call I'll call last night's performance. I'll call last night's performance for the Wizards an inspiring loss. Is that the best way we can describe it? An inspiring loss. Uh, they were winning in the fourth quarter. They went on a 22-4 run uh, to take the lead in that fourth quarter. And then Cleveland just started to realize that they were playing the Washington Wizards. So things got tough for them. Uh, the Wizards end up falling last night, 114-105. But the bigger story, as we led with Jordan Poole, in his third game off of the bench, had his best game as a member of the Washington Wizards. He ends up fouling out uh, during the waning moments of the game, but... Not only did he have his season-high point total, I think he was super efficient as well. 11-21, 6 of 13 from beyond the arc, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, and he finished with 31 points. So happy to see Jordan Poole starting to turn a little bit of a corner here because Wizards Twitter, man, it's a absolute cesspool, as I always say. But the Jordan Poole dialogue on Twitter has just been a toxic is the best way I can describe it. It feels like he has become the biggest punching bag in the NBA to this point. We played the audio for you last week of Stephen A. Smith going out and dunking on a bleacher report. Uh, every chance that they get constantly go out and dunk on Jordan Poole. So it would be fascinating to watch the remaining 20 or so games for the Wizards and see if he can build off of last night's performance. I know he's got Tuesday circled on his calendar. His best friend, Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors, get ready to come to town on Tuesday. So that should be... Uh, great to watch as well, but for, for the Wizards and for Brian Keith, the, the media scrum before the game actually happened, I thought, was one of the more insightful ones. Not direct questions about the current state of the team, but a lot of questions asked in the realm of the big picture outlook of the Washington Wizards. And for all the folks out there trying to dunk on Jordan Poole's contract, calling it one of the worst in the NBA, just quick news flash and statistical output for you. It's 50th highest paid player in the league. So you, you can get much worse than Jordan Poole's contract. I know the production's not there right now, but uh, the hope is for Jordan is that he can build uh, off of last night's performance and he'll get a chance to do so tomorrow night when uh, Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors come to town. So definitely excited to see that. feels weird saying Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors. I'm only doing that for the sake of the Jordan Poole-Draymond rivalry, but it is Steph's Golden State Warriors. Clay Thompson... Uh, handling coming off the bench a lot better than Jordan Poole did initially, but we'll see uh, if he can build on that coming up Tuesday night. The Washington Nationals in the midst of spring training. James Wood going yard twice uh, in their first two spring training games, so that's something to monitor as well here uh, for the Curly W's. One thing that uh, I've talked about when it comes to the Nationals is it has nothing to do with the product on the field. The jerseys that they've rolled out are just bleh, just vomit-worthy. It looks like a big T-shirt. I remember the NBA Denton back in the day did the bit where they were doing the T-shirt thingy, and it was honestly one of the weirder things <laughs> that we've gotten to witness. But uh, the Nats uniforms are, are nothing to smile about is what I would say. Hopefully the play on the diamond gives you something to smile about. James Wood off to an electric start. That entire farm system for the Washington Nationals is really the big reason why uh, there's a positive outlook for this team moving forward. I'm excited to see what they're able to do once the regular season comes. Hopefully they can be like the Orioles and kind of get a lot better before they're supposed to. That would be that'd be nice. That'd be nice for the old Curly Dubs. I know Kevin Sheehan will appreciate us mentioning this. Maryland putting the belt to Rutgers yesterday. 
I believe they had a 17-point victory on the road against Rutgers. Uh, Julian Reese with a double-double, 20-11, and 11, playing well. And Rutgers, like Maryland, has struggled this year, so it was an impressive win uh, for the Terps to get that done on the road. I know Julian Reese obviously gets flowers from me from playing well yesterday. Angel has been on an absolute tear uh, for the Lady Tigers out in the uh, women's college basketball. There's a viral clip of her going around right now at the free throw line talking her her, her cash money, you know what, and just the superstar factor that she has uh, as a part of what makes women's college basketball so great this year. And Getting to watch Caitlin Clark and Juju Watkins, it's all been uh, – it's all, it's all been fascinating and fun to watch. It gets me thinking how close we are to March Madness, baby. Conference tournament time coming up here in the next two weeks or so. And then uh, Selection Sunday, I believe, is just 20 days away, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, excited, excited, excited uh, for March Madness. Burgundy and Gold got some news on the commander's front. Uh, but before we get to that, one of my favorite writers uh, of all time, when you're the youngest in charge and getting into this thing as early as you know, we have, you obviously have some OGs out there that you grew up watching, listening to, and reading. The great Peter King uh, this morning announced in his column that that would be his final column, calling it a career, just one of the absolute greats and provided just tremendous insight throughout his career, giving us, you know, backstory on some of the best stories in sports. And I thought the column uh, he put out this morning, super insightful. He gave some flowers to some young writers around the uh, around the NFL, giving them their flowers and telling folks, well, since my column no longer is going to be a thing, these are some guys you should be reading and checking out uh, over the years. And he told a couple of really good stories in this column as well, giving some insight uh, into his conversation with Andy Reid after the Super Bowl last year. That was also really cool to watch. This was something else that, that I thought was awesome. He listed... The favorite moment of his career, which was a uh, Steve Young story where he was in Steve Young's suite at, at the uh, Miami Airport Marriott uh, post-Super Bowl. That was an awesome story he told in there. He also gave some of the nicest players and some of his favorite players he got the chance to talk to over the length of his career. He listed uh, Lamar Jackson in there. Peyton Manning, I believe, came up as number one. He titled it Mr. Nice Guys uh, in this QB division I uh, listed guys like Peyton Manning, Boomer Esiason, Tom Brady, our old cousin Kirk. Uh, always a good chat and a good sit-down. Patrick Mahomes is another guy that he listed. I mentioned Lamar Jackson, and I thought it was cool, uh, the Lamar Jackson piece of it. After it, after the interview with Lamar, he goes, thank you, Mr. Peter. And I know older folks out there sometimes don't like to be called Mr. Kind of gives your age off and makes you feel like an elder statesman. Lamar Action Jackson, though. Uh, a well-raised young man giving some flowers and respect to Mr. Peter King. And it's an awesome piece. If you have the chance uh, throughout your your work day today, go read that. I'll retweet it out. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. I thought it was just super insightful and gave you a glimpse into the great career of Peter King and some of the details that he wrote with that just makes him, you know, so darn special, man. The one thing that I uh, – Really caught my attention when it comes to Peter King and his final column that he wrote this morning uh, for for the uh, SI.com is a piece on the Washington Commanders. They're giving a little bit of detail and insight on the Washington Commanders and what he expects to happen on draft day. Now, we know all of the talk here for the next 
50 or so days leading up to April's draft will be about what the Bears do with that number one overall pick. And Denton, we were tossing this around before the show started. For Peter King to put the info out that I'm about to read to you in his final column, it just means a little bit more to me. So Peter goes, quote, I suppose the Bears are going to trade the top pick. He says, I know nothing, but that seems to be the way the wind is blowing. So fascinating for Peter King to put that in his final column. It kind of throws gasoline on the fire that is Caleb Williams to D.C., and it gives us another angle and another layer into this discussion about what the Chicago Bears will ultimately do with that number one pick. I had Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune on Friday. He joined me on the Chris Russell show, and he was pretty adamant about Chicago staying put with that number one pick, understanding that they've seen three seasons of Justin Fields, knowing what he is to this point. But it doesn't, and it didn't stop uh, Peter King from dropping this nugget uh, in his final column. The trade details are, are pretty interesting that Peter lists. In this scenario, Peter says the Bears should keep Justin Fields and then trade the first pick down once or twice and build the kind of supporting cast the team needs to contend. And this is the hypothetical scenario that Peter ultimately goes with. He goes, suppose GM Ryan Poles traded the top pick down one spot to Washington, which would take Caleb Williams, and got the second pick, a second-round pick, pick number 36, we assume, and a 2025 first-round pick in return. That's just... First of all, that the trade package there, if you're a Washington fan out there who has been hesitant on wanting the team to pull the trigger on a Caleb Williams deal, I don't know if you agree with me, Denton, but like moving off of the second pick, pick number 36 and a 2025 first rounder, it seems like peanuts if Caleb Williams ends up turning into the quarterback that we all think he could be. It's a big if, though, isn't it? Like I just that just feels like a a, a lot to ask because if he's not that, then you waste a first round pick next year in what is supposed to be a recalibration of getting back to the postseason. Full disclosure for you, my friend, you probably can see by the look on my face. I, but no, it seems like peanuts at, at the end of the day when it in terms of what the asking price would be. You were tossing this back and forth with me in the break is before we started the show as well, like. The, the second part of this is Atlanta, or is then Chicago then trading that number two pick to Atlanta, and then the Falcons picking the top quarterback of their choice, and in return, Chicago would get the number eight pick, Atlanta's second round pick, and first and second round picks uh, next year. So it, it ends up being a pretty massive haul for Chicago at the end of the day when you take the compensation they're getting from Washington and the compensation that they're getting from Atlanta. So all the conversation and discourse was about this historic haul. Maybe, maybe it's not necessarily a historic haul coming from Washington, but all in all, a historic haul. So if Chicago, if Chicago trades back for the number two pick, I know people out in Bears Twitter and Bears fans are going to want them to pull the trigger on Marvin Harrison Jr. because everyone's already got him slotted there if they decide to keep uh, Justin Fields as their quarterback, but if you go all the way down to pick number eight, you damn sure ain't getting Marvin Harrison Jr., but you could still get the top receiver left on the board after Marvin Harrison Jr., so it could possibly be a win-win situation for Chicago either way, and if you listen to draft pundits as we get closer to the NFL draft, the gap 
between Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors isn't as sizable, according to draft pundits, as, as maybe fans see it. And because Marvin is choosing not to participate at the Combine, we know Malik Neighbors has the opportunity to potentially go out there and run 4-3. Marvin's kind of on tape viewed and looked at as a 4-4 guy. So if Neighbors goes out there and crushes the Combine, maybe he overtakes Marvin Harrison Jr. as some people's wide receiver one in, in, in that scenario. If you're Chicago, you end up with the number one wide receiver on your board and then two extra first-round picks in the future. So Ryan Poles... And company would, would for damn sure have some ammunition to cook with as they try to get things back on track in Chicago. The Washington angle from this is fascinating, and I keep going back to it. Peter says, I know nothing. But that seems to be the way the wind is blowing. And we're doing investigative journalism on the spot now this morning. Trying to, you know, break down exactly what he means by this. I'll just say this, like I said at the top. Peter King, super respected journalist, very plugged in around the National Football League. I don't think he writes this in his final column if it isn't a realistic scenario. And we'll play you uh, some audio in that in this 11 o'clock hour of other folks around the National Football League giving their two cents on what Washington ultimately does uh, with that number two overall pick and if they're willing to go up and get Caleb. I know this doesn't matter at all, and this is going to sound Snyder-ish. If you're Josh Harris and... You're trying to sell tickets. Obviously, taking a quarterback number two would help you sell tickets. But what's the bigger, better story, in my opinion? The idea of Caleb Williams, the hometown kid, coming back home, leading his favorite franchise into the future. I mean, it just it seems like something they would have to make a movie on here the next couple of years. And I know the, the, the script... And ticket sales and all that should not go into the evaluation. But everything you hear is that Washington prefers Caleb over the other two. And my thought process has always been this when, when it comes to the quarterback that Washington will take. If they view Caleb as the best quarterback, do it, do what it takes to go get him. Right? Do what it takes to go get him. And I've always said throughout this process, I feel like, Washington, of all the QB needy teams, Washington has the infrastructure in place for a young signal caller to hit the ground running more than anybody else that is a QB needy team right now. And it doesn't just have to do with the personnel because I know people love Scary Terry. I know we love Jahan Dotson. I I know we like the backs that we have in the backfield. But this coaching staff on offense that they've put together, all of them in their previous stops have gotten the opportunity to work with young quarterbacks down to the offensive line coach, OG Bobby Johnson. He worked with Josh Allen while he was in Buffalo. Brian Johnson working with a young Jalen Hurts with the Philadelphia Eagles. Anthony Lynn working with a young Justin Herbert with the LA Chargers, and it goes on and on. So if Caleb is going to reach his potential, which some people are, you know, comping him to the great one, Patrick Mahomes, if he's going to live up to that hype and reach those heights, I think he's got to end up in Washington. I know that's the fan of me saying that also, but you can't tell me the commander's situation wouldn't be better off for Caleb than the one in Chicago. That's just that's just my two cents on it all. But in this scenario, Washington gets Caleb with the number two overall pick, and they only part ways with pick number 36 in this draft. And the big reason I know fans out there were so against Washington trading up for Caleb is because you heard 
the rumored historic haul that Bears GM Ryan Poles and company were looking for. That historic haul, based on all the mock trades that you continue to see, doesn't seem to be real. And in this hypothetical that Peter King is giving out, Chicago does, in theory, get a historic haul, but it doesn't all come from Washington. So it's all fascinating. I never really cared what an old my, my man Les needs say, F them picks. As long as you're getting the quarterback that you need and someone that you're confident is going to be able to usher you into the future, no one's going to remember the second-round pick that you gave up. Who's going to remember what pick number 36 turns into? So if I'm Washington, I'm willing to pull the trigger on a deal as long as as long as long you're not getting completely stripped of all your picks. But with that being said, right, Adam Peters, when you look at his draft track record, his best work, some of his biggest home runs in San Francisco came in rounds four through seven. So if Washington does have to part ways with the second-round picks in order to acquire Caleb Williams, I'm all for it because I trust uh, Adam Peters to do what he needs to do in the later parts of the draft to ensure uh, that the Ross, that the rest of the roster excuse me, is still in a very good standing. Coming up, top of the 11 o'clock hour, Jordan Dijani of CBS Sports uh, is set to join us. We'll ask his thoughts on the Peter King rumor that he's putting out, or the Peter King prediction that he's putting out in his final column. Peter King predicting that the Chicago Bears will trade their number one overall pick to the Washington Commanders. More of that next during the Kevin Sheehan Show. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show, Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. 
Kevin Sheehan out of jury duty this morning. Congratulations to Kevin being lucky enough to be selected for jury duty. Uh, the youngest in charge, Ruben Liddell, Willingham, and Denton Day filling in uh, for Kevin Sheehan. And Denton, I was saying this right before we came back. Um, the big story, obviously, right off the top here, Peter King, longtime NFL columnist, simply just one of the absolute best, put out his final column this morning. And in that column, Peter King coming off the top rope and throwing gas on the fire that I've been doing my best to try to start. I've been rubbing these ashy feet together, <laughs> trying to get the fire started on Caleb Williams to D.C. And I've been saying it since the end of the regular season. You do what it takes to go get this guy if you have an unwavering belief in your building that he is the best quarterback prospect. Peter predicting that the Bears would trade back to number two in Washington would then take uh, Caleb Williams with that first pick. But then Peter also has the Bears making another selection. They would go down from pick number two down to pick number eight with the Atlanta Falcons. And in this coop for Chicago, you end up with three extra first-round picks and a couple extra seconds as well. So a hell of a coop uh, for new GM Ryan Poles down there in Chicago. The likelihood of the trade actually happening it still feels like it's it's on the fence. You continue to hear tea leaves around the National Football League that Washington has an affinity for Caleb Williams, and it makes all the sense in the world when you think of the backstory of where Caleb's from. But for me, look, you do whatever it takes to get him here, I feel like, if you have an unwavering belief in the building that he's your guy. But the one thing that I'm willing to admit, and Denton, I think you – and, and Kevin were probably the first guys on this, and I'm just now starting to watch the quarterbacks a little bit more. It, ain't, it wouldn't be a bad consolation prize if you ended up with the Heisman Trophy winner out of LSU. It, it just wouldn't. No, I don't view Jaden as a consolation prize. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. View, I view him as a win because you are correct. We have been on this since October, mm-hmm. and one of us a little bit earlier than <laughs> October, but it's, it's fine. No, I, I mean, I really like Caleb Williams. I love Peter King. This felt weird. Like, just the, the I don't know anything, but, but I was like, I don't, I don't know what he's trying to get out there. It feels way more beneficial to Chicago than it does to this organization. Like, that story feels more like information was given to him by the Bears than it was here. So, if that is the case, it's just still fascinating to me. Like, if that's the case... Is it that to drive up the trade conversation and to drive up offers that they that they may potentially be getting? Because we know there's been slight conversations surrounding Justin Fields, at least. I don't know how much dialogue there's been surrounding that number one pick, but we expect things to get hot and heavy uh, come this week when all the teams are in India at the scouting combine. I mean, if you're Atlanta trading up to number two overall, you might as well just trade up to one. And I, that's what you were saying as we were as we were discussing this all. But if you're Chicago, do you get more in return for that? Of course they do. That's so, why I feel and like they're this the ones that being, control. This though. is why it's being fueled by them. Yeah, because they, I mean, they're walking away from that scenario with their quarterback in Justin Fields, so they're technically not rebuilding. Yeah. And then you got a haul of picks for the future, so you can say, "Hey, this is the best draft we've had in in years." Yeah. But meanwhile, in Atlanta, you're giving up uh, a haul. For the scraps, so essentially. It, so it would be, and let me read the exact uh, trade parameters that Peter King projected here. So Atlanta would trade the eighth pick, the second round pick, and their first and second round picks next year to move up 
uh, from two to eight. And then Peter actually finishes the that that exurban blurb, Denton saying, "Imagine." Okay, never mind. I read that wrong. But as you were alluding to, it may make more sense from Atlanta's standpoint and vantage point to move up all the way to one. But like I was saying, if you're Chicago, technically you get more of a haul here because you're getting Washington's little package on top of Atlanta's package. And I don't think that sounds weird, but it's just a lot of packages, a lot of packages being tossed around. But either way, I think it's a win for all parties involved. I just and Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune has been all over 670 the score in Chicago spewing this stuff that the Bears are done with Justin Fields. The Bears were done with Justin Fields. I don't I, I don't know. I just can't buy that. I, I think it's crazy to act as if he's been dealt a fair deck of cards. And I know life's not fair. I understand that completely. But to have three different offensive coordinators in three seasons to have Darnell Mooney running out there as your number one wide receiver the past couple of years before DJ Moore comes this offseason, Justin Fields has done the best that he could do. There's been flashes, and those flashes to me is why I'm like, if we could just surround him with good parts. Now, Chicago fans, Denton, will say, well, this year he did get surrounded with the parts. Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright, an offensive tackle, provide you with a good, good little tandem uh, Cole Komet really came on this year at tight end. And then DJ Moore, we know the numbers while he was throwing to him. I just, I'm not willing to put a fork in Justin Fields, is I guess is where I'm going with this. But the more important part in all of this is the idea of Caleb Williams potentially coming here to the Washington Commanders. And one thing that was announced by Caleb or by Caleb's reps last week, well, technically he has no reps, <laughs> is he doesn't have an agent. I don't know. If that is going to scare teams off and how is it, how that's going to make teams feel, we saw what that did to Lamar Jackson a couple of seasons ago. He wasn't able to fight uh, some of the narratives being thrown out there at him about uh, needing to switch positions and things like that. I wonder if Caleb not having an agent ultimately backfires on him. I don't want to say backfires on him because he doesn't give a rat's you-know-what who what the, what the rumors are about him, but... You keep hearing things about the helicopter dad and what type of leader he's going to be in an NFL locker room where it's not him and a bunch of kids. There's that uh, infamous video of him crying in his mom's arms after a loss. People get thrown off by him painting the nails. There's the GQ shoot that he just did where he's wearing a dress. And by the way, if he's going to be making some of the throws that he made against Washington this year, if he's going to be slinging the pill around the way he was at USC, he can wear multiple dresses on the field for all I care. As long as he proves to be a legit answer at quarterback, I think all of the the ancillary stuff that we worry about is irrelevant. Dennis Rodman will go down as probably one of the greatest power forwards of all time. He was a complete head case. So I don't get scared off when it comes to some of the antics that you hear with Caleb Williams. But to some old-school, traditional NFL evaluators, it's going to feel as if it's just a big distraction, and they'd rather take the prototypical kid and Drake May uh, or Jaden Daniels. Now, Denton, we'll get into some of the combine participation stuff in the next segment, but we're quick here on Jaden Daniels. The biggest, I think we probably can agree, right? The biggest question mark for him and one of the biggest red flags for teams is going to be the size and what he weighs in at. Him not weighing in at the combine. Smart. 
or dumb. I think it's smart because it gives him more time to bulk up, and then he can weigh in at the pro day. Yeah, the co- the combine is pretty pointless. You think? Yeah. It, 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 I love it. Like, yeah. I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch just about, not all of it, but most of it because I'm intrigued. Like, I'm a psycho. I like, I like this sort of stuff. <laughs> I watch some of the kickers. I want to see what their three-cone drill looks like. Um, <laughs> but the, the combine, more so than anything, is just silly. It's a way of marketing. Yeah. But you don't gain anything because a couple years ago – I thought DK Metcalf wasn't going to be a good wide receiver because his three cone drill was bad, and I thought, wow, he doesn't have a route tree. Wow, hey, he's pretty darn good, isn't Indy. he? Yeah, you, you watch the film, and you're like, all right, maybe maybe there's a reason why we should get behind him. So I don't mind guys not doing things at the combine. I just think you have to be there to talk to teams. Yeah, that's for sure. That's what you're there for. Talk to teams over a nice steak at St. Elmo's, and then get to know them. That's the that's the main crux of this thing. Not running a straight line that you'll never really run in a game. Yeah, I think the 40-yard dash is – there are guys that have – I was looking at a flashback Friday combine. Uh, the director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, tweeted out Terrell Owens and his Chattanooga numbers from the combine. T.O. ran 4.63. Could you imagine a 4.63 receiver turning into uh, what, what Terrell Owens has turned into at this point, man? Like, it just shows, as you were saying, the numbers don't really matter. It also shows I think he ran a 4.6 two years ago. Or a four four two years. Dang, ago. So, so he's got gotten faster, faster yeah. <laughs> with his age, which is absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, there's uh, more news and notes starting to come out about who's going to participate in the combine and who's not. Caleb Williams not having an agent and not participating in the combine. The interviews are going to be massive for him. The questions that he's going to get asked, I can only imagine. Right, this is a perfect time to. Wish we had our guy Logan Paulson around to, to, to pick his brain about some of the weird questions that are asked during the combine process. I know last year, I forgot which player was. He ended up having a decent rookie year. I'm blanking. But the question was asked, does your mom do drugs? They're asking weird things like that. Like, the combine's got to, the questions at the combine. Have I think to get, some of it's just like a bit now. Where all the NFL teams know that we know stories yeah. and how th- weird we think it is, so they just kind of, like, pull things out of the rear end. I think there was one, you know, how long did it take you to stop wetting the bed? Like, things of that, like, just absolutely the most ridiculous things being asked. But uh, all in all, it's all part of the process. I do kind of disagree a little bit when it comes to not being able to benefit yourself at the combine because I would say – Last year in particular, right, going into it, C.J. Stroud, or excuse me, Bryce Young was considered the consensus number one overall pick, but the throwing session that C.J. Stroud had out in Indianapolis was phenomenal, and then you got to see them in groups. That's, to me, why I'm, you know, all geeked out and nerded out to see is them throw right after one another, right, getting to see, uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy throw, but then you get to see Michael Pratt and Tulane throw, and then you get to see Bo Nix throw. Um, just seeing them in that competitive environment together is is cool to me. It's, the, it's basically how I would put it. I just feel like after this week, who really cares who throws? I just know there will be big-time movement uh, at a bunch of different positions based on how these interviews go because each and every year we hear weird stories coming out of the combine. We hear weird narratives coming out of the combine. Some of these narratives are driven by teams who are trying to get certain prospects to fall into their laps. So we'll see uh, what crazy stuff ultimately comes out 
this year, but I'm, I'm excited for it. The Underwear Olympics, as some people like to call it. Uh, the schedule for the Combine uh, is out now. I'll retweet it on my Twitter. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Something else that came before we uh, got back from the break, the salary cap going up in the National Football League by 13.8%, $30 million in total, the largest increase that we've ever seen uh, in the salary cap era. And one thing that was uh, noted by Peter King in his column is that with the salary cap going up the way that it did, it makes guys that were franchise tagged more likely to get traded. Now, from a number standpoint, it makes sense because that that franchise tag number that you put on a guy normally starts as the baseline for negotiations in terms of your you know, AAV and how much money guys will make per year. One of the big notable franchise tags that have already been applied is by the Cincinnati Bengals. They placed the franchise tag... They've placed the franchise tag on their wide receiver, T. Higgins, and a lot of speculation out there about what Cincinnati will ultimately do because Jamar Chase is getting ready to be eligible for a big-time extension as well. So if they reset the market with T. Higgins' extension, they're going to have to reset it again next year with a Jamar Chase deal. So all roads, in my opinion at least, lead to T. Higgins not being a member of the Cincinnati Bengals. Saw this from the 33rd team. It's the I can never pronounce my guy's name, Denton. Ari... Ari Merlov. Ari Merlov, yeah. Ari Merlov is reporting that uh, he's hearing the Bengals could part ways. Uh, the Bengals could part ways from with T. Higgins for a late first or early second. Hypothetical Harry over here, Linnell Willingham goes. Hmm. Would the Commanders part ways with pick number thirty-six to potentially acquire T. Higgins? That would be interesting to me. And Denton, I feel like something that's lost in all of our quarterback conversation that we've had this offseason, and we're all excited about Cliff Kingsbury's air raid offense, one of the bigger needs I think Washington still has right now, especially if they're going to run a more traditional version of the air raid, you need like four wide receivers. You need to have a deep wide receiver group. Right now you got two or three under contract. Well, not three under contract total, but three guys that I guess I'd be kind of comfortable rolling out. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, uh, and Deami Brown, Curtis Samuel, obviously set to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. No matter what happens with the quarterback situation this offseason for the commanders, I expect them to target receiver either in, either in free agency with like a bargain bin veteran uh, or in the draft with maybe pick number 36 or pick number 40. I just think T. Higgins would be the guy for me. I don't think Cincinnati's moving off him, though. I think they're tagging him for one last run, see if they can make a a healthy Joe Burrow, healthy Jamar, healthy T, go in a championship, let him go sign Jamar Chase, and then go and draft somebody else. Isn't that something? It's like they're getting penalized for drafting well almost. It's it's a crazy thing. Well, they could sign T. Higgins. They're just choosing not to. Do we have precedent out there about two receivers top of the market on the same team? It just doesn't seem likely. That's why I was always – Raising my eyebrow at a potential Deron Payne extension because you're got well, yeah, two gonna, DTs. I was going to say, it's the same thing that was here. Yeah. You've seen stuff like that before. It just generally does not work out well because then yeah. you, you have so much money allocated to so many players that you have holes elsewhere. Yeah. And Lord knows their offensive line needs help. <laughs> help in the worst way. Maybe if I get in good enough shape. 
<laughs> Throw me out there and guard or tackle. Uh, plenty more to get to here on the Kevin Sheehan Show. Lanelle Willingham, Denton Day, end for Kevin Sheehan, who's got jury duty coming up this morning. We mentioned the NFL scouting combine uh, happening this week in Indianapolis. When we get back, a couple of major head coaches deciding to skip the NFL scouting combine. More of that next here on the Team 980. No Sheehan today, but we're still talking the Turtles. Maryland beat Rutgers 63-46 to on Sunday. Juju reached 20.6 rebounds for the Terps. It was a big-time win on the road against a team that had beat them at home earlier this season. In the NBA, not so lucky were the Wizards. They lose to the Cavaliers 114-105. Jordan Poole had 31 off the bench. One of his best games as a Wizard. Kyle Kuzma added 27, yet still not enough to grab that elusive 10th win of the season. Caps in action tonight. They host the Senators at Cap 1. They've won three out of their last four, still eight points back in the wild card in the Eastern Conference. You can hear that on our sister station, 106.7 at 7 p.m. And that's what's trending. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show, Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Kevin, doing the Lord's work out at jury duty this morning. Lucky old Kevin Sheehan. So you got myself in Denton Day getting you uh, all the way up to 1 o'clock before we hand things over to the return of the cock-a-doodle-doo man himself, Chris Russell, uh, back live in studio after his two-day I do two-day hiatus. Excuse me, that's coming up. Uh, top of the 1 o'clock hour. In about 15 minutes, our pal Jordan Dejani of CBS Sports set to join the program. We'll ask him about what we talked about at the top of the show. Peter King, longtime NFL columnist, calling it a career this morning, putting out one final column. And in that final column, he predicts that the Chicago Bears will trade the number one overall pick to the Washington Commanders. So we've given uh, our thoughts on that. We'll ask Jordan uh, his thoughts on that when he joins us at the top of the, the hour, and we'll take your calls on that as well. Uh, the NFL Scouting Combine coming up this week in Indianapolis. We've already given you a couple of marquee prospects expected not to participate in this thing. Some coaches set not to uh, participate in the Combine as well. Names like Matt LaFleur, Robert Sala, Mike McCarthy, Sean McVay, and Kyle Shanahan. Now, Denton, you know on first blush what I'm going to say when I hear LaFleur, McVay and Shanahan. Oh, it's just a Mike thing. They learned it from Big Mike Shanahan. Don't show up to the combine. It's just the way we will do things if you're under that Shanahan tree. This seems like something that's new. I don't know if this has always been a thing where coaches skip out on the combine. Denton, I agree with you 100% that, like, realistically speaking, the biggest part of the combine is the meetings. 
So with that being said, I would think the coaches would want to be there because they can get an in-person sit-down with these guys. Now, a lot of things, or what's being reported, rather, is that coaches like LaFleur, Salah, McCarthy that are choosing not to go to Indianapolis, they'll be able to conduct these one-on-one interviews via Zoom. And the pandemic has just changed everything because this has to be a thing that's post-pandemic because you can't tell me it's the same when you're on the whiteboard in front of the coach and then on Zoom. You can't tell me it's the same being on Zoom, trying to get to know someone's background, and then in person. I don't know how well you'll be able to gauge someone's emotion or whether or not they're lying or how a certain question makes them react. Like, I see plenty of benefit for coaches being down there in uh, Indianapolis at the Combine, but to the coach's credit, the reason that they're not showing up is, and I guess this was Mike McCarthy's answer exactly, that or McVeigh said, I'm not going to the Combine uh, on Thursday. He said, quote, I think the most important thing is what the tape looks like and then what the vetting and the human being. If there's anything that has consistently become clear when you reflect on the seven years uh, as me and Les have, and really our organization is continuing to identify the types of players that we want in our building and really the types of people in general. It's the people that are tough, which kind of goes to what I'm saying. If the toughest part of the evaluation is figuring out who the person is and you already know what you're getting from the prospect as far as tape goes, wouldn't it make it all the more important to be down there in person with the kids? Theoretically, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I imagine you can figure out times to meet with certain prospects at other times. You have your top you have the top thirty visits, your top fifty visits, I believe right. is how it's so I, I imagine you'd be able to to get, let's just say, I mean, from this team's perspective, mm-hmm. you want to meet with the quarterbacks. So I right. imagine you'll have an opportunity to meet with the quarterbacks. For some of the teams that you mentioned, like I, I don't know, the Rams, like do the Rams have a first-round pick this year? I don't, I yeah, they do. For the first time since 2016, they have a first-round pick. All right, round, so they yeah. finally got a first-round pick yeah. back. But you see, some of these teams, I guess, if you don't have like a high first-round pick, you'll just do the meeting on your own time. Yeah. It's interesting, man. Like – with um, with the Rams, you got me on the Rams now. I was talking about this a little bit on Saturday doing, doing CBS Sports Radio. Would you be shocked if the Rams decided to pull the trigger on a trade-up for a quarterback? They got to start thinking about their Matthew Stafford succession plan here. Well, apparently they're interested in Sam Howell. Oh! It's my heart beating here. Y'all know I love me some slinging Sammy Howell. Denton, this feels like, and you you actually can probably relate to this better than anyone else that, that I've that I've had convos with this about because we did the Burgundy and Gold Game Day live show, and it felt like the first eight weeks of the season, after the Seattle game is what I'll say, is when we both officially kind of started to turn on Sam a little bit. But now that I've gotten the chance to like, and tell me if you agree with this, now that I've gotten the chance to go back and look at the season uh, from a bird's eye view, not being emotional and evaluating everything on a week by week basis, I feel I'm a little bit less harsh on Sam Howe, but I do understand the reality of what happened down the stretch. Still, yeah, I'm not. You don't feel any, any differently at all? No. We ran this last week. Did Sam Howe get a, a fair shot? And people came up with every excuse <laughs> possible to be like, "No, he didn't." You got to give a quarterback at least three seasons. And there's nothing that I saw from 17 games where I was like, yeah, that guy should definitely be QB1 moving forward. Even the first eight weeks, 
Yeah, but he lost eight in a row. Well. And he got benched twice. The way that they finished, I mean. And the offense got better when he wasn't in. Oh, my God, Dan. I wanted to pull this stat up for you. It's uh via it's from Warren Sharp and it kind of highlights just how bad Washington was down the stretch. They got outscored 61 to nothing in the final six first quarters of the season. They went scoreless in the first quarter the rest of the way and it honestly felt like it was a little bit of a cushion for Sam cuz you know the all the EB dialogue that's going on out here. Everyone blames him for Sam Howe's struggles and I think they kind of both share the brunt of the blame for why the offense went wrong. But that that stat kind of just shows you how bad things were to finish, which is why it's like, how do you go back to them? Yeah, and somehow people will take that stat mm-hmm. that you just gave and say it was clearly the defense's fault for Sam not playing well. Well, ignoring the fact that that what was that number that the uh, the commanders to scored. No. Uh, oh, zero, zero, zero points. <laughs> That's right, because the defense is responsible for Sam's offense. Right. right. So he's a good dude. <laughs> he is a quality backup to have, yeah. but there's nothing that we saw when times got tough that would say this guy is deserving of QB1. Yeah, I think probably my favorite Sam Howell performance was the one that was the most heartbreaking, the Seattle loss. That fumble, and it was a fumble against Seattle that ultimately kind of cost Washington the game, but he played his rear end off uh, that week, and it felt like that was the last good Sam Howell performance that we got. Like I said, admittedly so, like I'm being a little bit more lenient here in the past month or so when it comes to Sam Howe because I just go back to Atlanta and the Falcons. They moved like a team that was trying to hand the keys over to a young quarterback. They invested a lot of money on defense. Uh, they, they drafted an offensive tackle and a running back with their first two picks. Everything screamed, we're trying to build around our young signal caller. But one thing I give to Sam they used their two richest draft picks on members in the secondary. So, like, that did nothing to help Sam Howell out. The offensive line, while not as bad as we initially thought, still had some pretty glaring holes up front that they just failed to address. And then the play calling. And I was really late to get around on the play calling thing. And when I say late, I was more so just in denial because I couldn't believe that a guy that had as much clout and cachet and credibility as EB did as an offensive mind coming into the gig, I just didn't think that the offense would be as pass-happy as it was. And to Sam's credit, he handled himself about as well as you you could have considering the circumstances. Another number that people harp on with Sam last year is the interceptions. He finished with 21, I believe. Josh Allen had 19 picks last year. No, he's not Josh Allen, but... Just saying. That's one of my not, – not that comparison mm-hmm. in particular, but by far, because I kind of I got, I got into it with the Howlers Anonymous. <laughs> Is that week. what you're calling them? I didn't – I, I kind of didn't know they were real. They weren't anonymous. No, they were right. no longer anonymous after <laughs> last week. Man. But the thing that I hated the most in dealing with the Sam Howell fan club was the uh, Peyton Manning comparisons. Mm-hmm. Well, Peyton Manning threw X amount of interceptions his rookie year, so clearly they're the same, and that made me want to yeet myself into the Potomac because the amount of logic or lack thereof that you have in looking at Peyton Manning, the number one overall pick, and thinking that Sam Howell deserves the same leeway as Peyton Manning is laughable. They have become – the Howlers Anonymous, by the way, have become Ron Rivera. Have they? They become okay. right because Ron's biggest thing was, well, the year before he was supposed to be a top five pick, 
So now the Howlers Anonymous are giving Sam the leeway that is deserving of a top five pick despite the fact he was not drafted in the top five. Ron Rivera is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. If anyone could. So are Sam Howell fans. Yes. Howlers Anonymous, as you call them. I think it's. Who is worse, the Heineke Hive or Howlers Anonymous? I think the Heineke Hive. Howlers Anonymous seems like they just don't have logic behind them. But yes is the correct answer. (laughs) Neither good. I, I would just like none. Right. But you are correct. It feels like the, the how people don't have logic or they rather are turning away yeah. from certain things. But at the same time, so are the Heineke fans because Heineke didn't look good. No. It was just a lot of YOLOing that somehow ended up working. Two short quarterbacks whose last names start with H forever live in infamy uh, here in Washington. This is uh, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor on franchising T. Higgins. Quote, T has done an outstanding job for us since we drafted him in 2020. I'm glad that he'll continue to be a big part of our offense and our team. The big question, uh, ultimately, is for how long? That's still to be determined, uh, as it was reported by Ari Murov of the 33rd team. The Bengals could potentially net a late late first-round pick or early second-round pick uh, to acquire franchise-tagged wide receiver uh, T. Higgins. Top of the 11 o'clock hour coming up here on the Kevin Sheen Show. We'll get back into the conversation we were having at the top of the show. Peter King and his final column at the MMQB uh, coming out. Or excuse me, football Good morning, football morning in America. I'm calling it the M- MMQB. And his final column in football morning in America uh, coming out and predicting that the Chicago Bears will trade the number one overall pick. Jordan Dejani of CBS Sports. Get ready to join us next here on the Kevin Sheen Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.